even in conflict to say I'm wounded is like the ego is trying to avoid doing that because that's acknowledging defeat in a way that I was affected and I, I, I couldn't remain myself and, and separate. Yeah. I wonder if that like, Oh, I'm not going to really like unconsciously, oh, I'm not going to process this in the moment or access it. It's just another way for the ego to maybe like wish, hopefully maybe it'll disappear. You know, like if I just don't deal with it right now, maybe it'll just go away and I won't be affected by the pain. Everyone, welcome back to Not My Type. It's Jack and Malia here today with two very, 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 very special guests. Um, our favorite nines in existence, um, Anna Mayo and Nathaniel Hopkins. Woo! Um, everyone, everyone jump in and say hi. Yo, what's up? <laughs> Hello. Wow, I'm so, so excited. So Malia and I have been traveling nonstop. So we are back from our unannounced disappearance. Um, to welcome you with another interview. Uh, so today we're going to be talking to these individuals who um, who understand what it's like to be the universal type um, and what mm. it is to uh, experience nineishness. Um, for the record, in case anyone's wondering, we have Miss Anna Mayo here, who happens to be my girlfriend and Malia's former roommate. <laughs> this She's been is referenced the many times here. Icon, icon. <laughs> This like mysterious, we've been waiting for this interview because she's the mysterious, like, are they the same person or do they just talk about these two different people? And so, no, the girlfriend and the roommate are indeed one and they are Anna Mayo. And I'm so excited. <laughs> I've finally been invited. I'm very honored. Anna, can you start us off and tell us a little bit about your own type structure and stacking and all that nonsense? Okay, sure. Let me see if I get this right. So I'm a core nine with a one wing um, and then a two and a six fix and then kind of debating about the stacking. But I think I would say social self-pres sexual. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with all of that. And Nate, can you tell us about yourself? Oh, also for the record, this man is my former roommate. So this is a roommate party right now. <laughs> yes, it is. True. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah so um i'm a core nine uh with a one wing and uh trifix is nine three six we'll go with uh jack can elaborate a little bit about that i'm not quite sure um for the heart type but i would say nine three six um and then stacking definitely self-prize first um i would probably say sexual then social yeah i think um the only pushback i'll give on that is that I don't, I can't see Nate as social blind because the man is so accommodating and welcoming. So I'd say probably self-press social. Um, and I also was, we were talking a little bit earlier and I was saying, I think he might be too fixed. So um, my opinion is that we're interviewing two people who are nine to six, which is just about the warmest and likable traffic you can get here. So we're going to, we'll just jump I in. We feel warm today. We feel warm and welcome in the middle of August. So Malia, why don't you start us off with one of your elaborate, bizarre questions? Okay. All right. I'm going to start with something that I think is kind of generic. And then off that, you guys can bring up whatever you want to bring up. Um, but where do you find that you notice your nine-ishness most? Um, what aspects 
do you like about that? Like, do you say like, oh, I, I think this is actually allows me this gift or this positive attribute, but also where are you most frustrated? Yeah, I would say the the things that I noticed most about my nightishness, I think that um, being uh, nine and six in my trifix, I think, and potentially three, maybe not, we'll see. Um, but at least double attachment. Um, just that's something that I've always, ever since I found out that I was a core nine, have thought about. Um, I think one of the hardest things about being a nine for me to come to terms with terms with was the concept of that nines are like removed from the reality, you know, cause like I'm a mm. person, like I, I feel like I am viewing my own reality. Like who's to tell me that I'm removed from reality, you know? Um, but I think just being a core nine and, you know, having that high attachment in myself, I really do see that in myself with, with the aspects of life. So, um, I think there's something to say with any given person that can, you know, adapt to whatever environment that they're thro- thrust into, no matter what your core type is. Like, I think people can read a room. I think they can figure out what's, you know, the best delivery for how you're pre- going to present yourself or, um, what to say or something like that. But I think for me, it, it really comes down to like, let me, what I'm presenting kind of feed off other people. Um, and that's the reality that I feel like I've set for myself, you know? So whether that's through my family, you know, growing up as a kid to, you know, high school to, to college, um, I do really see the, the different aspects about my life, what I'm involved in, my job, you know, the things I identify with um, that kind of make me up to be who I am. And then as people ask me about myself, I mention the things I'm involved with. I, you know, give them that answer. So I think that's something that has honestly been kind of frustrating to me because, there is a sense of individualism that I desire for myself just as a person. You know, I think that's part of young adulthood and high school, like trying to find who you are as a person, but um, it's important to recognize at least for, for myself as a core nine. Um, yeah. And I think just, especially for, for myself over quarantine, um, something else that I noticed about at least, you know, reflecting on it with the core nine um, is just that slothness when there was nothing to attach to, when there was nothing to, you know, grasp onto. It was so easy for me to, to disengage and lose interest and become this less, you know, positive outlook, triad looking version of myself. And um, I don't know, it was obviously a bummer for everybody in quarantine for multiple reasons, but um, I really noticed that about myself. Um, I was quarantined on campus for a few different times, you know, last semester, um, just with everything that happened on our campus. Um, and that was something I really noticed about myself, you know, give me 24 hours in a room by myself and there's nothing to attach to. And I feel just like I'm floating, <laughs> you know, so that's the best I can get for now. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely agree with some of the things that you're saying. I think the times that I notice my nine-ishness the most are the times where it frustrates me the most. Cause I think like being core nine, um, there's like an accommodation that comes with this type that can be like a really good thing or other people can view as a really positive thing. Um, And so in those moments, I don't see my nine-ishness because it's just like socially acceptable or people really like that fact about me. Um, So I think the times that I'm most frustrated is, I would say two, I think um, being sometimes a little too conflict averse, like I just moved into a new apartment and um, there's just like a lot of things that aren't really great. And um, every night my mom is like, Anna, like, when are you going to talk to the landlords about this? And I'm like, oh yeah, I know I need to, but like, 
I'd rather text them or like just let it go or like convince myself it's not that big of a deal. Like, oh, I don't really need an air conditioner. But like I do. And so times where conflict is really important and really healthy. And yet I'm like, oh, I just don't want to. I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to be too rude. And like, oh my goodness, that's not rude at all. I, I like tend to negate my own being in order to be more accommodating for other people in a way that I know everyone isn't doing around me. So that's just not fair. Um, so that's definitely like one of the biggest areas that I see my nine-ishness. And then I would also say like being in a relationship with Dak, um, someone who is like, not just to me, but very intentional with other people and like aware of their feelings and their emotions. And when um, there's like some sort of conflict, even if it's not between the two of us um, and he can be like, oh, Anna, like, what are you feeling? And I'm like, I literally don't know. Like, I mean, Dak, you'd probably say, what's the most common phrase that I said? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the answer has got to be, I don't know. It's always, I don't yeah, know. It's always, I don't know. And it could be little things too. Like, what do you want to do? Or how are you feeling in this moment? And nothing could be wrong. It's just, oh, I don't even know how I'm feeling. I've erased myself to so much of my daily life. It's just so incredibly frustrating. That's, that's pretty intense. Um, a question for the two of you about all of that. First of all, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your little snippets of your daily life. Um, I, I was thinking today about like before this interview, I was thinking about how nine basically is a, it's a dominance and repression of the body. It's a, mm -hmm. I'm present in the body, but I'm also neglecting it. And that's sort of why it becomes this half-life thing. And that the method to do that in order to keep yourself asleep to reality, but also fully attached, you have to be doing things um, all the time. And so I was curious to think about, um, I started thinking about the two of you and uh, Nate as a self-pres nine, Anna as a social nine, curious to hear how that engagement, that over-engagement with your dominant instinct might affect or enable sloth and what that means for you. Because for some people that can look like literal laziness and for other nines, it's not. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Um, I'll go first. I think that, I think that's one of the reasons why it's really hard for me um, sometimes to identify other people as a nine because there's that tension between the repression of the body and being, you know, in, in that body triad. Um, and so I think for myself that that often will revert to, to laziness. Um, I think over this past like year and a half for me or two years, I've really been trying to be intentional with saying no to things. Um, and I'll, I'll get back to why this relates, but um, been really good at, you know, saying no to people and just being like, Hey, I don't need to make up an excuse. Like I can, you know, just say no for the sake of saying no to things. Um, and for me as a nine, that's like, yeah, like, I'm doing, I'm doing good. Like I'm sending boundaries and that's great. But for someone that doesn't have any attachment in their traffic, that's like, well, duh, like, you, yeah, of course you're going to set boundaries. And, like you are who you are, you know? Um, and so while you were talking, Jack, I was thinking that like maybe a reason why I think that I'm a nine, three, six instead of a nine, two, six. And obviously I could be persuaded um, is that, you know, nines go to three in growth. And so for me, when I'm like doing really, really well in my, uh, studies in my, you know, extracurricular activities. Like I have my schedule down. I'm proud of what I'm doing. Like, let's go. Like, I feel, I feel like I am doing the most that I can be. And I put a lot of pride in those things that I do, which, you know, to, to somebody on looking looks, you know, or sounds on paper, very three-ish. Um, and so, but 
and then again, that's for all nines. And so it's not like every nine has a free chai fix just because that's what they go to in growth, you know? So, so it's a bit different. Um, but I do think that for me, it, it looks like laziness because I don't revert to the, okay, I'm not doing anything or like in quarantine, I'm not presented with anything to attach to. It's not like, well, let me busy myself. I think that's something that I've been intentional with this past year is like, well, let me say no to things. Let me figure out what's good for me. But obviously that I get frustrated because then it just seems like I'm vegging for no apparent reason, you know? So I really do feel like I'm at this impasse where I feel like I need to be doing crap, but I also know that maybe sometimes I should be doing crap. So then I don't know what to do. Um, and if that doesn't sum up what <laughs> the nine is, <laughs> I don't know. That's, I'm, I feel like I'm just coming to, to terms with that now. I'm just realizing that, but that's what I would say for now. Anna, what about you with social? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I kind of hate this question because when I, I think Jackie, you, you were probably the one that like shared this with me that sloth is the sin of the nine. I remember thinking like, there's no way, there's no <laughs> way that is what I struggle with because I work so hard in school. I'm kind of an overachiever. Like I have a post-it note on my desk of every single hour of my day that is blocked out. And even if it's like good things like, oh, rest with the Lord or like hang out with this friend, it's on my schedule. And I'm never just like on the couch, just hanging out, you know, the typical sloth mindset that I would think of. Um, And so that has like always kind of frustrated me. I'm like, I'm not lazy. Like I'm not a sloth. Like there's no way that that could be me. And yet in reality, my overactivity is just another way that I'm erasing myself. And I even notice that. I mean, like even today or just days when I'm not even doing anything crazy. It's like, oh, okay. I don't necessarily have school today or I have work today, but I have all of these things that I'm going to do anyways. I'm going to busy myself right. in the kitchen. I mean, Malia can attest to this as my roommate. Like We'll have people oh, yeah. over and what am I doing? I'm cleaning. Why? Because no reason. I Like there's no need to, <laughs> but I'm just like over engaging myself in activity. Um, and I think as a social instinct, that sometimes looks like over involvement with other people. And so I'll pretty much always sacrifice my own needs in order to be with other people in a social setting. And maybe that's not just like sloth. That's just the social instinct or, or just me, I don't know. But um, yeah, I think that's always been a really frustrating reality that I've had to learn is, oh, I'm actually erasing myself by doing so much. And that seems so counterintuitive. Mm. And I think it's rather like, it, it's not just erasing yourself because you're doing so much, but rather like the doing so much is, is erasing stillness to sit and actually think about how am I feeling, you know? Um, and something to go along with that, like doing mindset that I feel like I often have as a form of neglecting the real me or having to dive into how I'm actually feeling or doing is like when Jack, you'll ask me how my day's been. And I will always tell you exactly what I did. Like my day's been great. I did my homework and I saw this friend and I made dinner. And then when I asked him how he's, how his day was, he'll be like, this is how I felt. And that's just something that is not natural for me at all. Like my first instinct is never to be like, this is what I was feeling. It was always, this is what I did. Nate, question for you. Um, what does doing look like for you? And how does doing as like a, as a body type, how does it come before feeling or thinking um, as a nine? Um, I would say, well, I would say I relate to what Anna said for sure. Um, 
I will never, if somebody asks me how my day was, I'll typically not be like, oh, I was sad. And then I was happy, you know, <laughs> like I'll just list off what I did that day. And I'll always pretty much regardless, just say it's good. Um, and then continue to tell you what I did. Um, I don't know. I would say, I don't know. I think doing for me looks, here's the thing. I've never known anything different than like what I'm doing to like define doing, if that makes any sort of sense. How often or in what ways is, is like using your body is like bodily doing a distraction from feeling and thinking um, or a diversion or like something that comes before and interrupts it. Um, I would say, I don't know. I, I really have a hard time like expressing how I'm doing or what I'm trying to portray in the manner of like, I thought this, and this makes logical sense. Let me explain it to you. Um, I typically will revert to like just defining what is, present and then I'll tell you how I feel about it um I don't think I have a problem saying like how I feel about things but I might have a problem problem elaborating on why I feel those things um uh Nate I have a follow-up question to what you said earlier sure earlier you were talking about the idea of attaching and I was wondering, um, because nine and six are double attachment and two and six are double dependent, like needing that outside um, to kind of bounce off of, what do you think merging and attaching, can you give examples of what that looks like most often? Is it, is it like organizational kind of stuff? Like I'm attaching to my classes and the things I need to do that I'm attaching to my friends. I'm attaching to this um, idea or like, what does that look like uh, most often? What does attaching look like? Well, before we jump in there, I like, I want to, I want to like generally discuss like, what do we think attachment is? You know what I'm saying? Because as an egoic pattern, it's, like the way I see it and the way I understand it is it's an attempt to utilize something external as a form of location. If I, if I connect here, then I can um, locate where I exist in reference to this attachment. So I guess like what I would throw in there is like everything Malia is saying, like what along with that, like how is that an ego attempt to land somewhere or find a location? And Nate, if you want some time to think, Anna, if you want to answer first, you can totally do that. Um, like just to clarify, Jack, like when do I feel that way about that that need to attach? Well, I guess I'm sort of like Malia. I'm I'm hijacking Malia's question. So I guess what I'm asking, like what I'm throwing in there, is sort of like amidst all the attachment, like what does attachment mean for you as a form mm. of okay. like, what are you attaching to or who are you attaching to to try and locate and mm. like and from that like what does that look like when there is no attachment or when the attachment is separated or mm. all of that like the things that you're using as reference points what happens like what are they and what happens when they're gone and what do you do when they're gone gotcha okay great question i think it's harder for me to answer what it feels like when attachment isn't there because i don't know if i necessarily have 
I'm sure I have felt that, but it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what that would have looked like because I don't feel like I'm ever really detaching from an attachment that I've made. Um, I think like um, the social like eudaimonia of like whether it's my family or <laughs> um, a group setting or my roommates or like Jack and I, like that general, like everything's great. That kind of feeling is something that I feel like I attach to. Maybe you can't attach to just like a feeling or whatever, but as long as like that's going great, I feel like, oh, I'm doing great. Like now my emotional state is wonderful. Um, and then I also feel like I attach to places a lot and I never thought I did. Um, like I never felt like I got homesick or anything like that, but I'm realizing like when I leave a place, like I'll be on vacation for just a couple of days and it feels like this like big emotional thing. I'm not like crying or anything, but I just feel this like attachment to places now that I, more than I think I have in the past. Cause I'm like noticing it more maybe, or um, just like feeling really nostalgic about places that I've left or like time spaces that I've had in the past. So I don't know if that really answers the That's question, good. Jack, because I don't know if I, like, maybe, I mean, you know me pretty well. I don't know if you could maybe think of times where, like, I've been detaching because of something. Well, no, I think that's, I think that's so great. And, and that, like, I loved that your answer was, like, I don't really remember being detached because that's the point of attachment. You know what I'm saying? Is it's, like, keep adapt, ad yeah. like, adapting so that I never have to feel detachment. So I guess, like, considering, like, a lot of, like, changes, like, Anna, Anna's just started grad school and is like starting a new chapter, like what does that feel like as things change? Like, I guess that's a question we could ask too. Like how does change yeah. affect attachment? And what is that, like, does that feel like detachment? Are you adaptable enough that yeah. it doesn't feel like detachment or all of that? Yeah, that's actually a really great question. And I feel like that's something that I've been thinking about just for some context. Um, I started grad school like two days ago. So I just recently moved to a new city, um, like across a couple states in a new place. And I was like, definitely very sad to leave my home and to leave my family. Um, but I wasn't even sad in the car. And like, once I got to my apartment, I was like, I felt like I was like just shutting it off. Not that I don't think I processed it, but it was really easy for me to just be like, okay, we're done. Like no more tears. Like I'm not even gonna dwell on what I'm leaving behind. Like time to just do this. Um, and my mom called me, you know, the first night and she's like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm great. And she's like, oh, I knew you would be like, you're, you're always fine. And I think that's probably a really good observation, Jack. Like it usually, I don't usually really feel that discord or that like disconnect of, oh, I'm really not doing well, even though I'm in a new place. And even though I might not be doing well, I'm able to mask it in some ways to myself. That's, that's really good for the record. I think that was really good content. Thank you. I like that. Nate, what about you? Like, what does attachment look like for you? What are your reference points? Do you ever mm -hmm. feel detached from those things? And if so, like, what is that like? Or do you similarly feel like that never happens to you or rarely? Um, well, I was thinking that like what you said about attachment, just relating to the ego, that makes me think like, right, well, what do I attach to that? Therefore I kind of adopt to my ego. So what do I kind of identify with in that area? Um, I do think like the main portion of attachment comes from the people I'm surrounded with less than like my work or um, like the state of the world or something like that. I don't know. Um, 
but I think, I mean, I'll reference my girlfriend who her name is Katie and she's a uh, core seven. Um, and so we're together. Like I, <laughs> like the first five minutes of us interacting just by ourselves are usually like her being wildly excited about anything and everything. And me just kind of <laughs> like, yeah. And like nodding my head and just kind of sitting there like genuinely content and happy. Um, but I'm just kind of like going with the flow, you know, just being present with her. Um, and I don't know, it's really easy for me to attach to the things that we want to do together or the conversations that we have um, or the directions things go, because typically she's the one driving those things. And then I just kind of am in the passenger seat, you know, riding along with her. Um, and so, yeah, I, I typically don't feel like, you know, in that context that I'm, I'm the one like setting the precedent for how like our interactions are, are going or things like that. You know, obviously I, it's not like I don't have a voice. It's just, you know, the, the core sevenness in her is, is typically stronger than the core nineness in me and that's okay. You know? <laughs> um, so I, I would say that's, that's one thing for sure. Um, I think in terms of, um, and in, in other details, like I think the the other things that I would say are the place that the other settings that I identify with. Um, so a little stupid fact about me is I like to play spike ball. I don't know if anybody who's listening knows what this is, but I go to tournaments and um, it's pretty fun and stuff like that. And I have a lot He's of He's really freaking good. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Really Aren't you like, like top 100 in the world or wait, a nation He's like or top something? five. He's like no. top yeah. zero. We don't have to spend a little time small fact about me. My, my <laughs> He's partner a stupid fact. And so we didn't make he's just like, trying to run past this we're he, we're trying to praise him and he's like my part my partner did this blah, blah, blah. well listen the there are power rankings that have come out this season but my partner got hurt and so therefore we didn't make the power rankings um if i would have put us somewhere i would have put us probably 23 um in the nation which is pretty hype um, that's pretty but, amazing yeah it's really cool but i don't know it means nothing because it's a backyard game anyways um so I would say like, I, those are s- such like specific people in my life that like, they don't interact pretty much anywhere else in my life. They're not a part of my academics, my college friends, my spiritual formation, like fill in the blank. It's just like, I travel to different places and like see these people and then I leave and then I know they exist, but they're not relevant to me, you know? Um, and so even in that context, like I know, like, it's not like I'm a different person. Like I'm a fake person. It's just, I know that like there are certain, you know, even uh, sense of humor or just like certain interactions with those people. Like it, it's just different from, you know, everything else that I'm used to. And so like, like I said at the very beginning, like anybody can read a room, but I really do feel like my personality becomes spike ball player when I'm surrounded by other spike ball players. Um, and so if we're looking at attachment, as that and even like I don't know six and two being dependent and attachment being nine and six for my trifix like that makes me sound like a really needy person like to me I feel like I have a you know I feel like I know who I am but I don't know if other people it's like oh sweet little stupid nine you know (laughs) like I don't know it's just to me I, I am who I am and the attachments and dependence or whatever like it's not like I'm knowing anything different because I I am a core nine so 
I love that. I love that. Can I, I want to ask like just as an exercise and maybe yeah. this will be really easy for you in which case, in which case, like, great, that's cool. Um, but I have a question for you guys. Like what are the things that are like the most relevant attachments in your life? And like, you don't have to tell us what those are, but like just envision for a second that they're literally all gone. Like they're all burnt or they're all dead. Like everyone you love, whatever, like who are you amidst those, like w without those things, like amidst loss, whatever, like, what are the things about you that you know are true of yourself that you love about yourself or hate about yourself, whatever, like, what are the mm -hmm. things that exist apart from attachment and what is like, what is that experience like for you? Yeah, I'll speak to that. Um, I immediately thought of like who I was in high school, um, which is a very different version <laughs> of myself. That sounds like I, I don't know, 27 different personalities. It's just, I didn't have, you know, like, I feel like in my high school setting, I, I moved halfway through like my high school experience. So I came into a new school at 10th grade, which is like a really awkward time to come in. Um, and before my old school, I was part of the band and I played volleyball. And like, that's, those were my things at school. And my friendships revolved around those things. And when I didn't have that, obviously I feel like if you move schools, you identify with this. Um, I literally like, I had my people at like my house and my neighbors and my friends outside of school. And so I just coasted like as low riding as I could throughout pretty much 10th, 11th and 12th grade. Um, like in classes, I just like, I definitely wouldn't have pegged myself as someone who was positive outlook because I just felt like I was so reserved and so like mellow all the time. I think something interesting you just brought up, Nate, is I was actually thinking about positive outlook today um, because like nine is the most common type structure by far. And then amidst the hexide types, seven would be the most common hexide type. And then two um, before the other four hexide types. So I was just realizing that like positive outlook as, as a harmonic dynamic is the most common above reactivity or competency for sure. Um, but like, that doesn't mean everyone is a positive person or like, doesn't mean every single person's a bubbly person. So I was wondering, right. like, I was thinking about this today, I was in the store and wondering like, what does that mean? Like, what does positive outlook mean? And I was just realizing it's, it's denial. That's really all it is. It's a, um, it's a way of saying things that are bad, aren't bad, uh, or, um, things that are painful, aren't painful or things that are dark in general don't exist to me. Um, and that nine is like a body type, like you can get pessimistic nines, but they're still doing this general, like float back up to the surface to be just fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, I'm just fine. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it sounds sort of like a little bit of what you were describing, Nate, when you were in high school, yeah. I'm just intrigued. I think I thought about that with just trying to parse out the difference sometimes in my head between the five and the four and the nine. And obviously there's, there's stark differences, but especially with when a nine doesn't look like a positive person or something like that um it really i mean i feel like in conversation maybe is one of the best places that you can tell and just like even maybe like mannerisms and stuff like that um but definitely the four would strongly identify with the emotion that they're feeling and you know some of the people who i you know have pegged as nines in the spike ball community who i'm thinking of like i don't think they would revert to sitting with that emotion you know and i think the five would or if, you know, I think that the person that would be a core five instead of a core nine um, also just has that like general not receptivity to the 
the conversation or the person, especially if there is like some pressing about like who they are as an individual and like trying to get down deep and talk to them on a deep and personal level. Like, I think there's just a general, like, eh, I don't know about that with the five and the four is like, you know, a little bit more open to talking about that, but because it's talking about the emotion side of them, you know, and whereas the nine is just like, I don't know, like literally just, and as I don't know, you know, it's just, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I don't really think about it and I'm not really doing anything about it because you know, there's, there's conflict in the body there. That's good. Uh, wait, can we, um, can we backtrack a little bit? Cause I, Wanted to hear Anna's answer to the question. What was the question I was asking before? I got sort of lost. If you lost everything you loved, <laughs> who would you be? Was basically your yeah, question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amidst, like, apart from all the attachments, like, what are the things that are true about Anna, I guess? Man, yeah. what a question. <laughs> um, I mean, my first thought was like, wow, if I didn't know the Lord, I think I would feel really, really lost. Because, um, like, ultimately we can hold true our identity in Christ and use that as the personhood to be attaching to, to those realities. Like prayerfully, that would be um, like something that I would be able to gravitate towards. But um, I think in reality, I attach to people a whole lot more than I realize. So I don't really know what it would look like to not do that anymore or to be forced not to even when there's like disunity amongst people between like even other people or me and another person, I still feel like I need to attach even more. So I, I don't know if I can, really, I don't even know if I have an answer to that question. It's so hard for me to think of what it would look like to not be doing that. Like how do, how do you normal people? <laughs> well, I don't know if we're normal. You know what I'm saying? Like I was thinking about, mm, true. Malia and I had a conversation the other day, Malia a really great not. conversation. <laughs> But we were just talking about like, okay, well, everyone who's listening to this podcast got landed with weird people as hosts. You got weird hosts. I mean, one of them is about to start crying laughing for literally no reason. So um, Malia and I just had a conversation about like what life looks like when, when attachment is not the locale. You know what I'm saying? Like Malia and I are both doing this. 728 and 278 thing where it's this default assumption of like I don't need to land anywhere but then eventually like you know just like as as a nature of life you go places and you do things and then when things affect you it's like a surprise you know what I'm saying Mm. because you know what I'm saying like we're we're just not usually like without attachment type structures it's sort of a sense of like oh I am I'm Jack and I just do this and like I was realizing like in my own egos tricks and narcissism whatever there's like this deceitful idea that like regardless of context i'm still me and like those those traits still exist and are permanent um so i guess i was just curious like anna if you don't have an answer that's totally fine but i was curious like what are those traits that exist for you um that you know are like that are anna and that aren't just like being a nine but like what what are the things that like you believe are are you um and I guess even like you were mentioning like what it is to be a Christian for you and, and all of that. I'm just, I'm curious how that all ties together. Yeah. I think that's kind of I feel like that's kind of a hard question for me to answer because if like, if I hadn't known the Enneagram, I would have answered that question describing myself as a nine. And so it's kind of hard for me to like sift through what I would take as, Oh, this is me as Anna. And this is me as Anna, who also happens to be a core nine. 
and I think Jack, this is something that you've talked about a little bit, but nines can often have the least like potent flavor to them. So you can be like, oh, this person is just kind of mellow or not blah. Like I hate, I want to say that we as nines are blah, but like, like my mom is a nine and I love my mom, but there's not like a strong personality to her. It's hard to pinpoint exactly like who she is because she just happens to be a nine. So I don't know. That's like just a really, I I don't really know. Can can I speak, can we speak to Anna's uniqueness real quick? Yes, do it. Malia, (laughs) go off. Weirdness probably. Because because I, I, like, I think that's the whole thing. And, And this is why community is so important as well. Like people being in your lives because Anna's over here like, I don't know. Uh, blah 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 you know but, but here's who Anna is Anna is the coolest dressing person I know she is the dopest thrifter of all time she and I don't just mean clothes but like the girl can get a discount at any store anytime <laughs> and she's the hardest working person she's remarkably smart and and yet incredibly personable and she's maybe the most selfless person in unhealthy and healthy ways um that that push me to not be so selfish all the time i I love this i love this question because we have nate hopkins and anna mayo who like are literally the best people i know like literally the best people i know and i just like want to say that like there's all of this like learned sweetness, like in my opinion, Nate, you, you can still reserve your right to disagree as a, as a Bermuda. But I think that, I think that the two of you here are like these wonderful, wonderful Stockholm syndrome people who are just like the sweetest people in existence. And yet like, even apart from neurosis, even apart from like learned coping patterns, like these are two of the most selfless, generous, delightful people I know. And that they're both quirky in their own ways. And like both have silly, sweet, like, idiosyncratic behaviors that are um adorable and simultaneously hilarious like i think i think there's just so much here and i wanted to like maybe i'm making the spotlight too uncomfortable for the two of you which is like kind of the point but i just like wanted to say and to see like what is it like for you i guess to be all those things and not see that you're those things um and and i guess just sort of like who is it that you see yourself as apart from like the drifting and apart from the accommodating and all of that? Mm. I feel like it's almost like I live my life. Like I'm going too fast to then stop and see those things. And so it's like, I, you say all of those things and like, they're so kind and so complimentary. And I think on paper I can kind of be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. But it's not even like, that's me. It's like, oh, that's Anna. Like, that's someone else. Like, it's hard for me to even be like, oh, that is me. Like, that is who I am. That's how other people see me. Like, times in my life where I've um, been successful or, like, achieved something and there's, like, some sort of praise or, like, a ceremony or something like that. Like, those scenarios are always so challenging for me because it's like, oh, other people view me. Like, I forget that. Like, I did... um a missions trip to Haiti a couple of years ago and we had this exercise where we'd go around the table and say something like every every meal like there'd be someone assigned and so 
One day it was the leader and then it was my sister. And then one day it was me and we would go around the table and everyone else on the trip would say something about that person that was complimentary. And this was, you know, five years ago before I even knew about the Enneagram. And it was the first time that I realized, oh, people view me on this trip. Like people have things to say about me. And it was something that I never grasped. So it really is like so hard for me to view myself as me and not just as another third party person. Cause I feel like that's kind of how I live my life. I, I also want to, to point out that um, for Nate, like you, we kind of joked about the spike ball thing earlier, but you're incredibly good at spike ball. You are one of the most talented musicians I know, like literally could pick up any, any instrument and just haphazardly blow everyone away and then walk away without even knowing that anyone was watching and you are such a leader because people just want to follow you because you're so cool and you're just like just yeah it's just amazing um and you're both I mean Jack and I we, we know like you you're so sweet both of you you're so amazing but also you're incredibly unique and, and cool. And I guess my question is, what is the risk of acknowledging those things? Like in your heart, what would happen if you knew that and said that and claimed that? Well, dang. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, thank you for saying all those things. That's, that's super kind. Um, let's see the risk of accepting those things. I've, I've thought about that. Um, not in those particular words, but I think there's such a culture thing nowadays to like laugh at yourself or make fun of yourself and have that be a norm of, you know, like kind of brushing off other compliments or just like even fitting in with the group. I think it's disgusting, but that's kind of what people do. Um, but there's also the line of like, well, if I accept these things about myself or I say these things are true, then it seems kind of egotistical. And so it's probably better to knock it off or, you know, slide away with a, a joke or something like that. Um, and that's just unrelated to the Enneagram. I feel like that's just a culture thing, which is kind of gross, but here we are. Um, I think the risk of accepting it plainly as a nine is that we are stepping into a reality that is kind of defined, you know, um, and I don't know if that's a reality. Like, I would not say that's a reality that, like, I define because it still seems to me as a nine that other people are saying these things about me, you know, which is really, really cool. And, like, I really do enjoy receiving letters of encouragement and things like that from people or when somebody will pull me aside and say, like, hey, I really appreciate it when you did that. That means so much to me. Um, but it's also, like, it. I don't know. It. It helps me realize that I'm... I'm helping other people without realizing that I've helped other people, if that makes sense. Um, so I like, I think it's awesome to, to hear those encouragements, but for me, it's always like a past tense thing. It's like, Oh, that, that happened. That's really cool. And now I'm back to living my life, you know? Um, so yeah, I think the risk of accepting it is like, it becomes, I would never want that to like, to get to my head, those things, you know? And I don't know if that's a nine thing or if that's just like, a regular person thing. I don't know. It just, it, to me, like the risk of accepting those things means that there's something that 
defines me and then maybe I have to stick to that or something. I'm not quite sure. You might disappoint someone because having something about you is makes a, like, I don't know. Do you feel that, that you fear disappointing something if it's defined? I would say that I have thought about, like, I don't, I really don't like disappointing other people. I, I hate doing that. Um, But I don't think that's out of like the definition of what they've set for me, like an expectation they have for me. I think it's really my own personal, like they have like, they have something that I, I should meet. They have an expectation that I should meet and I trust myself enough to do that. And so if I fail at that, it's more of a me thing. Um, So I don't even know if that's like me placing my own like reality and stone and being like, I have to meet X, Y, and Z. And if I don't do that, I'm bummed. Like, I feel like I've had certain moments in my life where that's so true, or I've disappointed like authority figures in my life. And I think that's a huge sixth thing in me. Um, I hate disappointing people in authority and like, whether that's like rule breaking or I, I've had so many conversations that could be remedied if I just made my own decision. Um, I remember in high school when I was faced with a really um, tough decision, um, it had to do with like a, a relationship. Um, I asked nine people for their thoughts and I had a sit down conversation with each of these people and wanted to know their thoughts and gather up the information and then made a decision from there because I felt like I trusted other people's opinions of me more than myself. And it, I could care less if it was like, I don't know, a friend that I didn't really respect, but I respected all nine of these people that I talked to. And so I was like, okay, XYZ says this, I should probably do this. And so I did it, you know? Um, And so I think that's what like accepting those things for me does. It's really just realizing what other people think of me and not really placing that as an identity piece in me. Well, and Anna, I want to hear what you have to say about this because I think this, like Malia, your phrasing was so perfect, but like the risk I mean, just from like a theoretical perspective, because I've never been a nine, so I don't know what it's like to experience this viscerally, but like the risk from my perspective is that like to receive those things and to be those things um, means that you exist. It means that you exist and that can't be removed. And so there's no retreat, you know what I'm saying? To be those things and to be those things permanently means that there's no escape. um, There's no numbing. It sounds exhausting. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it sounds exhausting. Like so so Anna, like for you, what does the risk mean? And like what is what is the risk of being those things um just as Anna, just as like mm. you yourself being those things? I think first and foremost, it sounds really rude or like unloving or like too selfish or like it just feels like, oh, I'll just be like boasting myself up and like disregarding other people and just like living in my own lane and I think sometimes like Matthew 22, when it says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, it starts with loving yourself in order to love your neighbor. And I think it's easy for me to just be like, I gotta love my neighbor. I gotta love my neighbor. I have to do all these things. And I think the Christian culture and Christian women in general, just like this emphasis of service, which is a good and godly thing can be so easy. It's a tool that I can use, not necessarily consciously, but to just like erase myself. And I mean, Malia, you were saying like, like, being selfless in unhealthy ways is something that I know that I can do. And so how would I, I, like, I don't even know. I think it just feels so selfish to me to try and take up space, which is not true at all. But I think because I've seen other people 
take up space in ways that are selfish to me it's like oh I gotta throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of thing like I don't mm. even want to risk that at all ever and so I'll just sit here in my own little corner <laughs> yeah I think um what happens with nines in general is there's a boxing in of yourself in order to not force your your space on others or like force yourself on other people's spaces um and it's done out of almost like conscientiousness towards the people around you but as someone who for the past three years I've almost exclusively been around nines and for me like what what that ends up looking like in relationships is me going and like <laughs> like like brick by brick unboxing you and like dragging you out in, into the thing. And it, and it uh, honestly is a lot more work and I'm glad to do it. <laughs> um, but I think it's just one of those things that your brain is saying, I'm going to put myself in a box so that I'm removing the work from someone else. And when it actually, for the people who love you and want to be with you and be with who you are and not just with how you want to help us like it it creates a lot more work and um I don't know I and, and that's not to be for any nines listening or any or for you guys that's not just to be a criticism but rather to be a freedom that you don't have to sit in the box in the corner that's not you know you don't have to make the sacrifice for the sake of the group. Wow. Well, Malia, we are, we are truly going out on a limb, hoping we can understand what you're saying. We're just, we're getting about every 15th word. um, Oh no. Well, could I speak to that a little bit? Yeah, please do. You know what I'm talking about. She knows what I'm talking about. I I think I deduced through the, it felt very normal, actually. It yeah, like no, a it's, conversation. it's about what I say anyway. <laughs> very used to speaking Malia. We, we speak Malia around here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think another, like, to go back to that first question about, like, when I noticed my nine-ish the most, it was in some, num- like, whoa. <laughs> it was never something that... <laughs> it's contagious, Malia. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Um... <laughs> formulating words actually was where I was going with this ironically um but Malia like now that we are close friends and sisters and roommates um and we joke about like when we first met you said it was so hard to turn the conversation like the first conversation that we had it was so hard to turn it back to me and that's something that I have recognized in myself within the last year or two maybe but my whole life that was never something that was abnormal to me it was I meet someone and I always say oh how are you and then I ask them a thousand other questions not because I'm trying to hide like I don't think I'm a guarded person it's just I don't even think to lead with myself ever literally never and if I do it's because I'm being intentional about it and it takes you know discipline and like prayer even to be like lord like help me be able to talk about myself in this situation because it's so hard for me um 
and even when I'm in conversations with other nines and this is not unique but like there are times where I'm in a conversation with other nines and I'm like, this is so exhausting. Like, this is exhausting for people to be just asking me questions all the time and not to be able to get a word in it twice. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I've I definitely how thought that. I think yeah. that like, I don't know. I, I think there's just even a level of like, just conversation, like skills and like being really good at that. And I think they're really good at that. I think I have some other friends, um, honestly i have a friend i'm thinking of that i think is also a 926 and is like really good at that i don't think i'm very good at that like sparking those questions asking those questions i think i'm a really good listener um but i don't think i've never paid myself as like i'm asking the questions and the small talk things to to say that so i guess jack like honestly this is something i don't know if we wanted to in the conversation here but like those those like um not skills what i'm trying to say abilities are like qualities of those people i i feel like 926 is like really common i don't know if that's correct but like i feel like i know enough people who i peg as those people and i don't think i'm one of those people and maybe that's why i don't think i'm a 926 so if you can speak into that and that's enlightening to me i just yeah i don't know if i relate to that well, Nate, you might be right. I don't know. I mean, there's there's some three-ishness going on there for sure. So like, I, I mean, you could be three-fixed. I think you're bringing up a good point, which is that like what Anna's talking about, the whole asking questions about other people isn't just being a nine. You know what I'm saying? Because you can get a triple withdrawn nine and they're not going to be very personable. They're not going to be asking all the right questions. The thing is that like the the Stockholm trifix, nine, two and six together, like it's, it's triple niceness. You know what I'm saying? It's putting together all the selfless things and slamming them together. Um, but it's just like with a core nine, it's still going to be a strategy of like, how do I stay comfortable? And like, I, I had a conversation with someone recently, like basically I was sort of like, not trying to be self-deprecating, but just sort of like acknowledging that I feel like my own like two-ish veneer of selflessness can be really like disgusting to me sometimes mm. or exhausting. And I just was sort of comparing it. Like I mentioned something to the effect of like, this is a nine-ish quality, like nines have this like pure selflessness. Um, and this person I was talking to was a nine and she was like, that's ridiculous. Like we're not, our selflessness isn't pure. We just want you to leave us alone. Like I was just realizing like, it's not like, like that sounds like such a nasty mean thing probably for even a nine to say, but the idea is like, like what if we realized that like nine is no much, like, it's no purer a neurosis than any other option. But the whole other oriented nature of nine is a strategy to remain unbothered and unaffected mm -hmm. by life. And like, how I do I, how do I keep like, how do I keep engaging in this conversation or how do I keep engaging in this environment or this behavior or whatever, so that I can stay comfortable. And it's all unconscious. You know what I'm saying? Like the ego keeps pushing forward this like orientation to doing without a mirror to force it back on me where I now have to exist. And I now have to be in the uncomfortable shell of my body I don't know if that's so dramatic, but like, that's just sort of what I was thinking. I think hearing you say that makes that seem much more real to me. I don't think I ever would have gotten there by myself because like you said, it's unconscious. Um, like I, I feel like when somebody has a conversation with me, like small talk, like, Hey, how you doing? That kind of thing that lasts five minutes. I am very rarely thinking, leave me alone. Um, but I also know that by the end of my answers, I've said what I need to say and I can't wait for them to respond back. You know, like it's not like a manipulative, like, please talk. It's like, 
I've said what I said and I literally have nothing on the head heart body thing to contribute. So you should probably say something. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. Like I'm, that I'm really is so true. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you released that. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. I'm really yeah. comfortable with, with silence. And so I mentioned my girlfriend, Katie before, like, and so many other people in my life, but like, I'll just stop talking and like continue to remain silent and just see if other people will keep talking because I'm okay with that. And maybe other people aren't. And so I like, don't have to contribute and stuff like that. Again, it's not like I don't want to be there or present or asking questions or stuff, but it's usually like, I have nothing on my three columns of the things that I could process what you're saying with right now to contribute. So I'm just not going to say anything because I don't have anything, you know? Um, I feel like other core types might you know have some sort of agenda with the conversation or um try to turn it back to themselves or um yeah I don't know it's just like I I feel like I've said what I need to say and we're good <laughs> you know so and something to go off of that Nate I don't know if this is something that you feel but there are times where I'm like giving my answer or like saying something to someone and I kind of just word vomit like I just like throw out what I'm feeling because I don't have it all formulated or I don't actually know what I'm feeling and so I just like throw it out there in the hopes that someone else will like clean it up and refine it in order to answer me back it's kind of like I've said it all it wasn't really clear but I'm giving it to you and I'm done here like you do with it what you can (laughs) absolutely yeah I think there's that doesn't happen all the time um I think that um often when it's talking about like uh honestly something that I'm doing as ironic as that sounds um like music stuff or spike ball or something like that like I I don't have a problem you know talking about that I think that's really really great um often if I can like sense that it's just kind of small talk conversation for the sake of having small talk conversation like I'm usually not formulating answers to to give them what they want I'm just like saying stuff that pops into my head right there and in the moment I'm like oh yeah that's true I don't really have any second thoughts about it um but it's just like I don't know like I I can generally be fine just like staring at you right now and like having you make assumptions about how I am doing and that's fine with me you know (laughs) like Mm. I don't know It, it doesn't seem like there's a there's an agenda in a conversation for me with that I don't know that could just be a person thing. I don't know if that's universal for each nine, but I think there's a level of laxness that is um, is dependent in, in that conversation. I think it's different when I'm in like a leadership position. Um, I do see myself, you know, like wanting to get to know, like if I'm in a leadership position and there's someone new, like getting to know that person, making sure that like they feel seen and they feel welcome. Um, whereas if I'm the reciprocant of somebody in leadership, who's like asking me those leadership questions, I'm like, okay, I'll answer your question and I'll keep going. But I don't know. I feel like we're getting really specific now with it, but that's what I would, that's what I'd say generally. Okay. Bear with me. There's this Japanese video game where (laughs) I'm intrigued. <laughs> I told you to bear Your with weirdness me. is showing, Malia. Where, where there's like, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, listening to this, you are a hero. Um, mm. this tiny little person, the basically the entire game, that this tiny person, you start as like they are, they are this little character, and they, 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 
they roll around the world and they just like things stick to them and then the game the goal of the game is to pick up everything in the world and then you win if you do that so you roll around this world and you just like magnetize things to you and then you keep growing and you keep getting bigger and bigger and you roll around to other things and like gather it's and like gather those and gather. sticker balls at sky zone you ever seen those yes. <laughs> like slap the registration on it and it gets bigger over time exactly like exactly okay. um and so we talk about the nine as being like not really great with boundaries in the sense that there do- there doesn't really seem like there are a lot but I feel like there are boundaries, but there you're like that little character that you keep attaching and attaching to all of these things. And now when I interact with you, I don't necessarily get you, but I get all of this other stuff. Anna, okay, you're going to have to translate. It's not like you are trying to hide, but simply the the amount of things that you are attaching to create separation between who you are and the people around you can i add to this that might help decipher it was cutting in and out there but i'll do my best um i don't know if there's a there's a question on the end of that but what i will say that made me think of this um i i said this at the beginning but like even still, I have a really hard time talking about being a nine and saying that I am removed from reality or I'm just like a little sticker ball, like cleaning up everything on the earth and suddenly that's who I am and stuff. Um, so if there are nines listening that are like, I don't get that, like that's that's okay. What I will say is that it's really interesting even for me on this podcast to hear someone like Jack or someone like Malia say all these qualities, you know, that they see in me or have people, you know, have had people in my life say that to me. Um, Because the biggest thing, I guess, for us as nines is to realize that a lot of those things are unconscious and a lot of those things we don't realize. Um, And so there's a level of like unawareness that I think nines seem to have more than often other types, if not all the other types. And so to have people speak those things positively or negatively into your life kind of ends up shaping who you are. Um, and so, there, you know, obviously there's nature and nurture and stuff like that to, to be said about that. But I don't know, for me, hearing what you're saying, Malia, and just like being a little thing that rolls around and clicks everything on the earth and stuff like that, like, it's weird for me to like, say that, yes, I'm a nine who like adapts to everything and that's what it is you know obviously there's there's so much more to that but I think it's realizing and being okay with the fact that I don't see everything about myself I don't see my nonverbals. I don't see the things in conversation often the way that people interpret things I just glance over um and I don't really understand the way that people like are processing what I've said or what I've done and you know there's just kind of an unawareness to that not out of like I don't know. I feel like that's something that people can always grow in, but it's just like, it feels really weird to say that we're attaching to those things. So just a disclaimer to those nines who feel like that, that's what I'd say. Yeah. Well, that's something that like, I want to bring up is that like nine as a body type, like it, it's an, if it's an attempt to, to protect the ego from being affected. 
by the world to be a, to be a person like eight, nine and one are trying, like that's the body space. And that's the part of us that, that is separate from others. But like, this is the thing about attachment is that like attachment isn't consciously attaching, you know what I'm saying? So Malia, what you like your question ages ago about like, like nines and boundaries, like the reason boundaries happen for nines are, are that those attachments, those stickers being slapped on top of them, like it, it happens in a way that feels like, like it feels to the nine, like they didn't have permission. You know what I'm saying? It, and that's why the narrative becomes, I don't matter. My presence doesn't matter because the world affects me and does these things to me, whether or not I want it to happen. And so like, that's why we hear about like nines, like stuffing it down, stuffing it down until there's this sudden explosion, because there's this sense of like, where am I located when there's all these different signifiers? And so there's this pushback every once in a while you see with nines, this like sudden rebellion that will flare up because it's like, I didn't ask for any of this. And now I'm covered in stickers and rolling mm -hmm. around. And it's sort of like, mm. Nate, it's, it's so helpful. I think it's important that you're saying this thing. It's like, for those nines who don't get it, like I'm there with you, like, because that's the point. Like the ego <laughs> is trying to not get it. The ego is trying not to be aware of the fact that these attachments are being made because it just feels like being an adult. You know what I'm saying? Like the attachment types, no attachment type is going around saying like, oh, I exist only in reference to what I'm told to do or told to be, <laughs> yeah. right? you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, no, you'll hear from a six. It's like, no, I'm just weighing all my options. Or like from a nine, you'll hear like, oh, I'm just letting other people have their turn. You know, like it's all these things. But what's really going on is that the ego is is trying to latch onto something so that it, so that it doesn't feel um, a wound, really. That's what's going on is that like to, to be a person, to be full of yourself without the attachments um, forces the ego to recognize like, oh, I'm a person and I've been hurt and it actually isn't okay. And all these things that have happened to me, they're not okay. Um, even though I have leveled with them and I've accepted them and I've let them to happen to me. And I think like, I don't know if this resonates with either one of you at all, but like I have heard some attachment types talk about this feeling. It's like, there are things they've said yes to that they didn't mean to say yes to. That like, there are things they said no to that they didn't mean to say no to. And eventually there's this responsibility thing where you have to wake up and realize like the attachments didn't do it for me. I had an active role and I either did or didn't do what I needed. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, that's what I'm going for. Well, could I yeah. add on something there a little bit? Um, I think part of that attachment and even knowing that I'm attaching, it's like I'm waiting for someone to allow me space to like come into my own and move into like take up my own space because in reality pretty much all other types are operating in their world just taking up space as they know how to do it. it's natural and like we're all meant to and I think as a nine I'm like always waiting for someone to allow that and in reality it takes like a action it takes effort and energy to like just initiate it on my own so there's still like this passive desire to just be like going down the slide so that someone will like, like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like sliding into taking up space, like it, you can't do that. It takes energy in a way that feels really exhausting and daunting and also kind of selfish. Mm -hmm. One of the things I would say about like not recognizing like where we are as nines, like you were saying, Jack, um, like we've talked a lot about attachment. We haven't talked a lot about like the fact that they're in the withdrawn stance. Um, and I think like, whereas, you know, threes will respond with aggression and six will respond as, you know, being part of the dependent. 
um, it's intriguing to me to think about nines being withdrawn because it obviously doesn't necessarily mean like you're quieter or you're more introverted or something like that. Like, yeah, maybe, but often it's, we're, we're processing reality late. And so if we as nines are always processing reality late, there are some things that never catch up to us. And so the compliments that we receive or like who we identify with or what people kind of say about us, those things that are possible to attach to, I feel like I've, uh, I don't know, it's being dramatic. It's just like, if we're never quite up to speed with reality in our processing, then we as nines are always a little bit removed, you know? Um, and so that's why there's kind of an inactiveness with the body, even though we kind of know what needs to be done or what action needs to be taken now that we've been given, like the things that we're attached to or whatever, I don't know. Um, I just think that makes it make a little bit more sense for me. And Nate, I think you bring up something that we haven't really talked about, but that's that like past orientation that we have as nines. And I feel like that kind of, like, I don't know if, how you would notice that in your day to day, because I don't even know if I necessarily do, but yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's hard when it's just like who we are, but that like, I don't know if you ever feel this way, Nate, but like, sometimes I feel like there's just like this slowness of like, oh, it's just harder for me to process what I'm feeling right now or to like make decisions or to formulate what I'm trying to say it's always like oh I'm I'm a step behind a little bit in comparison to other people who might be living in like a present orientated like oriented Mm -hmm. mindset or future oriented yeah I think I've noticed that with myself in um in times of conflict in relationship I think that there's an unawareness that happens in the present and then like a few days later it'll catch up to me and I'll be like oh this is how I'm feeling or this is what's wrong um, yeah and the identification of what's wrong is kind of the I would assume the body you know speaking up um, but I don't know like it I feel like that's not necessarily holding grudges it's just like things catch up to me really late. And so I've tried, like, I'm a terrible journaler. I've tried like several times to sit down and be like, I'm going to be a journaler this season of my life or whatever. And like journal my feelings and stuff. I like, don't know what I'm feeling. And so I just write a bunch of crap that I don't know what I'm saying. And it usually never helps. So like, maybe I should stick with it a bit more, but typically the times when I feel like I've processed my thoughts or my emotions or how I'm feeling the best is when it's way in the past like obviously there's sometimes when I'm a forward thinker and I'm trying to plan ahead and that's great but I don't know how I feel about it and when things are happening especially times of in crisis or in conflict like I don't know how to feel about it and just kind of do what needs to be done or what I feel like needs to be done and then I always feel like there needs to be a follow-up conversation no matter what it is like especially in, in times of conflict with with good friends or something like that like usually I need some sort of like happy resolution or compromise in order to feel settled. And maybe that's a personal thing, but I think there's just a level of like, we have to accept that we we're you know, I don't know. It takes a little bit more time for us and maybe it sets in in a different way than it does for other co-types. Well, and something I want to talk about regarding that is that like, I think this issue of stances and, and how we exist in reference to time is particularly important in just what you talked about, Nate, this issue of like, how do we deal with conflict and how do we deal with being in the same event as someone else who's processing the event very differently? 
Um, mm -hmm. And something like something I've noticed in my relationship with Anna is that like sometimes like the the greatest struggle for me and like thank God we don't usually like deal with a lot of conflict, but when there's a disconnect of any kind, I want to resolve it now. There's a feeling of there's this urgency. It's like I feel I feel like we're not on the same page. So how do I force us into this moment right now? And for me, I have quick access to my feelings. I have quick access to my thoughts. I have quick access to my experience because as a compliant type, which one, two, and six, also known as dependent, whatever, there's this, there's this processing of reality as it's happening. And, and so there's a sense of, this is what I feel and therefore I must do X. But like what you're describing, Nate and Anna too, like what you're pointing out is that like, nine's orientation of the past is really it, it is it's tactic at remaining unaffected it's by the ego like numbing experience and, and numbing life it's an easier way to remain um i don't know just like impervious to feeling hurt or feeling the the violence of life and the violence of living and asserting who i am and asserting my feelings and asserting the part of me that's hurt even like even in conflict to say I'm wounded is like the ego is trying to avoid doing that because that's acknowledging defeat in a way that I was affected and I, I, I couldn't remain myself and, and separate. Yeah. I wonder if maybe there's no answer to this, but that like, Oh, I'm not going to really like unconsciously, I'm not going to process this in the moment or access it. It's just another way for the ego to maybe like wish, hopefully maybe it'll disappear. You know, like if I just don't deal with it right now, maybe it'll just go away. And I won't be affected by the pain, but then probably inevitably it just bubbles right back up, you know, in the future, but it feels like a mechanism to just keep being comfortable. That's really true. That's good. Good. Mrs. Enneagram over here. She's doing her research. <laughs> wow. Well, y'all, this has been a wonderful evening. I, I hope it's not too abrupt or um, too short an ending to our wonderful time together with these nines, but um Listeners, thank you for joining us on our first interview with Nines. I think they did a great job. They were articulate um, and themselves. So thank you both for joining us, Anna and Nate. Um, and if, if anyone wants thank to Thank you for find having us, us. Yes, you're welcome. And if you guys want to find us on social media, just search Not My Type Enneagram, all that kind of nonsense. Um, and big shout out to Anna Mayo and Nate Hopkins, our wonderful guests. Woo! So. Thank you, guys. It's been so much fun. Okay, Thanks. bye, guys. <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs> All right. See you guys. Adios. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> you can say again. bye. Let's do that one again. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Lilia, I was confused if you were like genuinely saying by like we're ending the Zoom call oh. like this. Yeah, and so same. I was like, is, uh, bye. bye. Yeah. <laughs> same. I was like, oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> Imagine if I did and I just ended it and you were like, oh, oh, okay. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> hey, <close>. yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh.
Oh gosh. Wow. I, the funniest part of that is that Malia thought we, we were laughing at what she was saying, but we were laughing so violently because we couldn't understand a word of it because the connection was so terrible. And I'm just picturing her like laughing harder because we're like crying, laughing over here. I was like, I it wasn't that funny. See, I wish everybody could see our videos because the three of us are just muted and laughing hysterically. And Malia's like, yeah, this is funny, isn't it? And we're like, ah. <laughs> like it's my know, greatest it downfall i'm glad you think it's hilarious oh, gosh. what what did you get from what i said from what i got from what you said is like <laughs> the positive outlook nonsense is is denial it'll just go away that's all i got oh <laughs> oh oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, y'all i i i hate to end it like this but i feel like we probably should go just because my dear roommate for the evening luke needs to wake up early tomorrow and you and know that so we could I. be talking forever we really could um malia do you want to close it or so? well maybe you shouldn't because we don't know what you're saying <laughs> let me no. let me do some sort of farewell address oh yeah yeah <laughs> you know i do let's let's just it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. Let's see if it blows over. <laughs> um, but rather than quelching the way it could be bad, I imagine how it's going to go great. <laughs> and that's how that's how I cope. But it's interesting that I <laughs> that I totally identify with that thought process, even though it's like a different way. <laughs>